spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast, sponsored by the International Women's Motorsports Association. And today, our other sponsor is RacingJunk.com. So if you haven't checked out Racing Junk while you've been home sitting on your couch, today would be a good day to do that. They have lots of interesting things for sale, and they change every day. So get on RacingJunk.com and check them out. So today, my special guest, it's an honor for me to have her on. I've listened to her on Sirius Radio, and her voice is going to be very familiar to you. And hopefully she is going to share some things that maybe we don't know about her yet, and we're going to learn a lot about what she does and how she got involved in motorsports. Her name is Lee Spencer, and welcome to the show, Lee. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time today to do that. So, Lee, for the people that don't know you, which I can't believe there are any people in racing that don't know your name or at least your voice, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and how you got started involved in motorsports? Well, I'd always been a sports junkie, and when we moved to Charlotte in 1992, there were really only two sports here, and, and that was the NBA with the Charlotte Hornets and NASCAR. And of course, this was the hub of NASCAR. Um, my first job in Charlotte was actually working at WFNC, which was the sports station. And at that time, sports talk was really starting to take off. And I was producing the morning show, uh, reading the news breaks, um, you know, little things of that nature. And um, one of the first assignments that they sent me on was to cover testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Well, I was very fortunate from that standpoint because when being from St. Louis, one of my hometown drivers, Rusty Wallace, just happened to be testing that day. And, and so, you know, he was so accommodating and everybody in racing, every time I went to a racetrack, um, the guys were so accommodating and helpful that it really became a quick tutorial in motorsports. Now, um, when the Charlotte Panthers came to town a couple years later, a lot of people wanted to get on the NFL bandwagon because it was the, you know, bright, new, shiny toy, so to speak. Um, and, you know, having always lived in NFL cities, whether it was St. Louis or, or um, Dallas or, um, you know, outside of Philadelphia, I'd always been, you know, kind of spoiled. I always, you know, it was just another stick and ball sport to me. But um, racing was new to me at that time, you know, short of going to local dirt tracks uh, or NHRA, um, you know, those kinds of things around St. Louis when they would come to town from time to time or even the local dirt tracks. Um, but, you know, NASCAR was, you know, just getting at its prime back in the early 90s. And so 
for it to be based here and the hub to be based here and the people to be so nice and um, just genuine, it made it a really easy decision to stick with NASCAR rather than jump on uh, the NFL bandwagon. So basically since, you know, 94-ish, I've really thrown myself completely into NASCAR. From time to time, I'll, you know, I, I would still cover something uh, if the Charlotte Observer needed like a high school game covered or Davidson College, which is here in my backyard, um, I could, you know, jump on that and, and you know, do that. And um, that was really cool. But, you know, pretty much for the last 25 years, it's been all NASCAR. Okay. So, yeah, being thrown into the, the city of NASCAR, that was a natural progression for you, as you said. And you... Coming from St. Louis, so I grew up near Quincy, Illinois, which I'm sure then you're familiar with that, in a little town called Warsaw, Illinois, right on the Mississippi River. So going to St. Louis to see the Cubs and the Cardinals play was uh, kind of a big summer deal every year that we would do. And so very familiar with the St. Louis area. But um, that's interesting about you being, being there at some point. Well, if, so, you, if you if you grew up in that neck of the woods, um, my father was a rock and roll DJ on, on KC95. Um, my first job in broadcasting was actually, uh, my father was the news director at KDNL, which is the ABC affiliate downtown in St. Louis. And when I was 16, um, I used to, you know, drive down and work with my dad a few days a week and, you know, kind of learn the ropes from him. And um, you know, basically after that, my, I kind of knew where I was leaning anyway, because my dad had been on the air. He'd worked at all the top radio and TV stations in St. Louis, um, you know, when I was growing up. And so I always kind of knew I was going to go into something along the lines of, you know, journalism or broadcasting. And so, um, you know, it just, uh, taking my background as far as that goes, and then, you know, kind of moving into Charlotte was kind of like a win-win all the way around as far as the NASCAR, you know, medium. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, it's, it's funny how as kids, we, we do look up and see what our parents or the people that we look up to, what they do, and we do tend to kind of follow in those footsteps. And as a 16-year-old as a in uh, Warsaw, Illinois, in Hancock County, very rural, rural community, I got an internship at a newspaper and I learned how to type up the stories and you used to have to run them through this glue machine and whatever, you know, and, um, and then, you know, let's fast forward down the road to, you know, the 1980s and I owned a weekly newspaper for 10 years. And then now let's fast forward to now and I'm doing the magazine and the podcast and it all you look back in your life and I'm sure you agree you can look back in your life and you see the steps that got you where you are today and had no idea that's where you would end up well that that's true but there's also the standpoint with the evolution of journalism and remaining relevant. And if you don't step, jump on the latest thing with, you know, like we're talking podcasts right now. Um, and you know, certainly 
um, in the in the time of coronavirus, having a podcast or you know being able to video conference the way we are, and a little disclosure, we do have stock in Zoom, so <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just it's. Um, I think that you know staying relevant with whatever is the latest and greatest to come along is something like you said, going from newspaper to magazine to whatever it takes to keep yourself in the game. I think it is you know um, possibly that just the key to longevity in in journalism or in sports journalism because I love to ask students when I meet kids that are studying right now, you know, whatever they're calling journalism these days, what they're, you know, what are they studying? What are they learning? What is the next greatest thing? And um, with you having worked at a newspaper, with me having worked for, you know, Sporting News Magazine, which um, before they went online was, you know, the oldest running magazine, you know, sporting magazine in the, in the country. Um, I, I, you know, quickly found out um, that writing will take you everywhere. And even though we're, you know, sometimes writing in 160 characters, there's still a lot that goes into just crafting, you know, the right sentence or the right line or the right graph or how you line up those graphs. And uh, I still think even though we're, you know, there's um, a lot put on brevity these days that, you know, still getting to the point and, and perfecting that craft, no matter what they're teaching you in school, has to account for something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kids have, have so many options nowadays for careers and things in, in every type of business. And I often, you know, when I interview young gals, the most common thing that I hear them say is that they want to be the next champion nascar champion or whatever it might be and i i always encourage them to do that but um i also like to hear from them what else are you interested in what other careers might you have as and be involved in motorsports and yours is a great example you've made i'm sure wonderful relationships with people in the motorsports industry and you've become a well-known person as far as um you know, on the radio and the different things that you've done in the past. And oftentimes the younger gals are so focused on being that champion that um, they haven't thought about maybe plan B or what can go with it. And so I like to encourage them about going to school, getting the education, building those relationships. And if they can't be the next NASCAR champion, Perhaps they can write about it or they can be the accountant or the travel agent. And um, I, just, I just think there's so many opportunities in, in motorsports. What, what would you have to say about that? I, I would, if I was looking at it from the standpoint of um, journalism, I would, I would couple that with a marketing or a business degree. I think from the standpoint of women, um, getting involved in in anything right now that it doesn't help to have a back it helps to have a backup plan and it helps to know what direction you're going in I mean I will never forget you know a pivotal part in in my 
upbringing was, you know, when we were, I was in fifth grade and my father, his background was not, you know, journalism. His background was in engineering. And, you know, this was at a time when engineering and, and broadcasting, it, it helped to um, know how all the bells and whistles, you know, kind of, I guess, kind of how the sausage was made, right? Uh, my father, he could, he could fix anything. And I think, you know, back um, when you look at men from his generation, they, they really could, you know, they had a, a much broader skill set than kids do today. But, um, you know, I, I think that if you can, you know, have that skill set and have a business background and make sure that you know every aspect of whatever industry you elect to go into, that it's going to um, give you, you know, give you something to, to land on your feet if, you know, the first choice or your first dream didn't work out. I'm not telling anybody not to chase your dreams, especially the younger you get started, the better. The more internships that you have, the better. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I, I think that you, you have to, the more well-rounded you are, the better you're going to survive in this ever, you know, changing world that we're living in right now. I mean, given everything, you know, given this craziness, and you and I never anticipated seeing something in our lifetime when they would lock us in our houses. <laughs> no, never. Um, I mean, and we're not locked in. I mean, you know, let, let's face it, you know, that's a little harsh, but still, it's we Americans are so spoiled um, and we have everything at our fingertips. But, um, you know, what's the next wave going to be? If, if I was a, you know, broadcasting student or a journalism student right now, I would be watching the front lines of what's going on on TV with a, a news channel right now and seeing how these people are equipped to handle their jobs because you're watching network anchors, you know, people who make millions of dollars a year broadcasting from their house. And, you know, how how is that happening? You know, what what tools did they have to put together to make that happen? Um, one of the funniest things I've noticed, and, you know, this is only because I've, I've you know, seen my share of network television. Um, it's fun to watch um, how people are putting on their makeup. You know, something as silly as that, right? Um, there is, you know, you think about all the women who have, um, you know, whenever you went to a, a news set to do, you know, walk on or whatever, or, you know, they ask you your expertise or, anything along those lines and you know you would have a makeup artist come and do your makeup before you went on the air and there there's just so many little things that you see how the world in our world has changed and you know it's been kind of interesting to watch but I'd be watching really carefully right now to see what tools are being used how things are being done differently and how you could prepare yourself for the future, you know, looking at it and using it for an example, using it as a history lesson. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, as I sit here, as you said, we're not locked into our houses, but we feel like we have to stay home. If you want to stay healthy, then you need to stay home. And, and one of the things that I don't want to do is I don't want to have gone to the grocery store and perhaps picked up the bug and then 
gone to visit my daughter and granddaughters and then they would get sick. I, I would, that would be the worst thing for me. So we do stay in our houses. And so, yes, the TV's on, you know, the whole time from the time I get up till the time I go to bed. And not that I'm glued to it, but it's in my ear. And, and what has really struck me is, you know, we put a lot of people on a pedestal. So we'll put, you know, a race car driver up on a pedestal or a celebrity or a musician or whoever it might be, a news anchor. And then in these times when they are broadcasting from home, it, it makes me realize that they're no different than me. Their job is different. Their income level might be different. But when it comes down to it, they're no different than I am. They're in their home with their families. They're trying to protect the people they love. And they're finding ways to still um, connect with people. And I'm so glad you have stock in Zoom because I wish I did. I wish I had stock <clears throat> yeah, in Zoom and in iRacing, the two, the two companies I wish I had stock in right now. <clears throat> but... I love Jimmy Fallon and he, he started doing the Jimmy Fallon from home and his daughters are in his face and they're making noise and it's just so real. And I think that's the one thing that has really um, come to me full force is that we're all in, we are all in this together. We keep hearing that, but all those people that I thought were, you know, I kind of held up in high regard they're just like me and and we're all trying to survive and protect the people we love and and you know seeing the people that say oh i the good thing that's come out of this is i've had more time to spend with my kids my wife i've i've gotten some honeydews done i all these different things it almost sometimes makes me think that you know the higher power if you believe in one says hey we need to hold on here. We need to get, get you back to where you need to be. And I don't believe that's what caused the virus by any means, but the result of it has made so many changes in people's lives, you know, and wow, it's, it's going to be for a while. And I think that's, that's just kind of, I've tried to find the good out of the bad, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and I, I think that it shows, in, in circumstances like this, it shows people's true character. Um, you know, it. I think it also gives people an opportunity that you can meet your neighbors without, you know, being in that danger zone. You, you know, you can practice social distancing, but still see the neighbors and wave to the neighbors. I mean, we're, we're usually home two days a week, which is Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, most of my neighbors are out and about on the weekends, right? So they don't know who I am. I don't see them. And, um, you know, that, that's something that's, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, you, you mentioned um, the things that, you know, we take for granted. I mean, uh, I think one of the coolest things to come out of this deal is the fact that you, you can sit back and, and kind of take stock of everything that you would not have done in the past. I mean, now would be a really great time if you don't have a will to, you know, work on a will. Um, you know, we think about, we talk about that because we do travel all the time. Um, you know, if this is a time to check in on all your, my, my 31 year old son, he goes, I'm hearing from people I haven't heard from in years. 
Um, you know, because the people who are very gregarious, um, those are the ones that are reaching out to them because a lot of times those are the people that don't, you know, they're so used to being surrounded by people that when they don't have that outlet, they look in other directions for that. And so, um, you know, now's the time to reach out to your elderly neighbor. Now's the time to reach out to your elderly friends. Um, Now's the time to, to write that letter that you've been meaning to write, to read that book you've been reading to read, um, to make that recipe, although I've been doing a lot of that lately, <laughs> you know, three, three, four pounds later, right? Um, I know. <laughs> I made a, I, I, you can't, you'll get a kick out of this because you're from, you know, my neck of the woods. I made my first dump cake in 35 years. Oh. <laughs> Um, I forgot it, all about dump cakes. <laughs> exactly. But when you start, you know, I, I sat there, I was, I had cleaned up my kitchen and my kitchen was probably as sanitized and cleaned as it had been since we moved into this house. And I decided it was time to go through my recipe box because I had two recipe boxes and I really only need one recipe box. So I went through and, and got rid of the recipes that I'm never going to make. Um, I rewrote the ones that had, you know, started to fall apart, except for the ones that had been written by my, um, the people of my family, because right. you know, to have, I cherish having the, the recipes written by them at, at this, you know, juncture in my life with them all being gone. Uh -huh. Um, but you know, I was, I was going through things. I saw a dump cake and I'm like, you know, th this is ultimate comfort food because I think that first week we were all kind of looking for some comfort. Right. Um, so I, I did that. And, um, but you know, you, you can take this time and really make the most out of it. So when we do come out on the other end, we just feel more grounded and we feel at peace and we're maybe a little more patient with people around us that we didn't have patience for before. And, um, you know, I, I think if that is indeed what happens, then, it it's like you said this will not have been for naught and um i don't know it, it, the you know the other thing they um i forget which news program it was but they showed you know areas of the world where pollution had you know they had done aerials or you know of of areas where pollution had been terrible and without people out on the roads i think it was probably china because we were in China in 1983 and the houses that we visited, they had dirt floors. The only people that were on the roads were the government officials. Um, everyone else were on bicycles. And, you know, if you have a situation like that where the, um, the pollution has been uh, diminished significantly because people are staying in their homes, you know, that's a good thing to me. That's, that's a positive. And, um, you know, we can also get rid of the pollution in our lives and kind of cut that out. And then when we come back on the other side of this, being a, just in a better frame of mind to, to handle life moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And, <clears throat> you know, I think we can also, I, the, you know, where social media is concerned, it's, you know, you have 5,000 friends and you have this and you have that. And then you know, when something like this happens, like you said, you, you maybe call somebody you haven't talked to in a long time or, you know, things that people that you should have stayed connected to, but maybe you haven't. 
and because of social media, you have all these people that really aren't your friends. They're just acquaintances or whatever. And, you know, I've had people reach out to me because Michigan's been in the news, you know, mostly because of the Detroit area, which is on the other side of the state. But I've had quite a number of people reach out to me and want to know, you know, are we okay? And, and that kind of thing. And it's taking me back to my roots. So we talk about grassroots. It's taking me back to my childhood friends, my early adulthood friends, um, and people that I think I'm staying in touch with, but not really. And I've been sending a lot of cards. I, as you probably are aware, maybe not. I also have, uh, I use send out cards, which is a, a great card staying in touch system that I can do from my laptop or my phone. And I've been sending even more cards than I normally do because it's something I can still do to stay in touch with a lot of people. And it's a, it's a physical card that comes in the mail. So it's not like an email and they delete it. It's something they can sit on the counter that reminds them that I was thinking of them. So I've been trying every day to send more cards than normal because I want people to know that even though I'm stuck in my house, I'm still thinking of them. So um, this whole coronavirus has changed our lives in so many ways, but not all for the bad. And so I, I try to find the positive in whatever's going on in my life. So Lee, maybe a, a good question for you is, is there something that you've learned in life later on that you wish you had known when you were younger? Boy, that's, I mean, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I just don't, you know, I look back and I, I don't have a ton of, of regrets. Um, it's, um, I don't know, it's, I, I, I guess I've just been really fortunate because, you know, things have kind of uh, fallen my way. And so I, I just, it's not that I haven't had to work hard for it. And I think hard work kind of, you know, supersedes everything else because I think I'd rather be the, the B student that works harder for something than be the A student that didn't apply myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I, I just, I really don't have any, any regrets. Um, I wanted to have my kids early so I could, you know, work later in life. And I did that. And so um, everything has really fallen into place. Um, I, you know, I just, I, I just don't, I have no regrets. I really don't. I mean, and you know, I've traveled quite a bit, which I'm very, you know, I've been very blessed that way. Um, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I haven't really stumbled on anything that said, gee, I wish I would have done this, that, or the other, because, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, life is, life has been good. <laughs> That's, that's good to hear because, you know, one of the things, it's funny that you say no regrets. Um, it's, it's one of the things that every so often, if you follow me on social media, you'll see me say hashtag no regrets because um, it's, a, it's a phrase that I've used for a number of years, probably almost 10 years, honestly. And um, because I, I had a situation in my family where um, someone had passed away and one of the family members had a lot of regrets and I didn't. I always felt like in that situation, I had done everything 
that I felt I could and should and wanted to do. And I had no regrets. And I've tried to, um, not to say I've not made a lot of mistakes in my life. We all make mistakes. But in the end, when I look at the people that I care about and the things that I'm doing, um, hashtag no regrets. And that's, that's a great, a great thing. So, um, Lee, why don't you tell us a little bit? You know, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you learn from those mistakes, though, then, you know, if, if you take it and turn it around, okay, I wish I would not have done that. But if you learn from it and the next time you didn't repeat that, um, you know, I think it, you know, I, that's probably, um, do, you know, do I regret having that extra sliver of pie last night? Probably, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when we talk, talk about that, I'll share a little story. My mom passed away from leukemia. She got sick and 25 days later, we lost her. Wow. And on one of the very, very last nights before she took a turn for the worse, she loved her desserts, Lee. She loved her cookies. She was a farmer's wife. She baked a lot and she was a, the best pie maker ever. And she, you know, she was not joking, but said, you know, I've exercised, I've done all the things I should do, I've eaten right. And she says, now I wish I'd have had that extra piece of pie. And so, <laughs> you know, um, so sometimes in our family, we'll say, let's eat dessert first in honor of her, because she would stand over the kitchen sink to eat her cookies, because she said that way there was no evidence of how many she had eaten. And she was she was just a wonderful wonderful person and and so we think about that when we talk about eating our extra piece of pie so why don't you share with us with the listeners a little bit about your job and what you do and uh explain that a little bit more well my job's kind of changed you know i i talked about just staying relevant with the job because um, you know, when I was working, when I started working, when we moved to North Carolina in 92, my kids were still little. So I was juggling, you know, being a mom and with whatever job I could bring into the, um, you know, whatever job I added, because I, I would do a multitude of jobs because certain time frames it just worked better. And so, um, you know, for a while, I mean, the, the Cush job was kind of being at, at Sporting News because I was the first female columnist at Sporting ha News had. And um, I was also the very first NASCAR columnist. So it was kind of like a, you know, pioneering two different things at once. Um, but, you know, back then, I was responsible for one column a week. Well, you think about that. Okay, this is this is 2001, and all you had to do was put together one column for the entire week. Well, we kept telling the bosses at Sporting News, you know, things are changing. Um, news is really important. We need to get news up on the internet, and you know, it may change. You know, this may be one, two, you know, three things a week, and it was like they weren't ready to make that kind of commitment, and. You know, over the seven years I was there, that changed. Once I got to Fox, it was a whole different animal because, you know, they had the TV element, they had the radio element. Uh, sporting News had Sporting News Radio that, you know, they incorporated that in the latter 
uh, part of my time there. Um, but, it, you know, by the time I got to, well, even at the end of Sporting News, I was doing stuff for Fox Sports. I was doing TV on the weekend. Uh, they would do little vignettes from the racetrack uh, with a show called Around the Track that they did out of the uh, Atlanta affiliate. Um, so that kind of changed things. But, um, you know, it, fast forward to what I'm doing now with Racing Boys, um, they have their own radio network and they did, you know, both regular terrestrial radio um, you know, for 25 years. And, and people might not have heard of them other from the part of if you're into dirt track racing and you are familiar with the Chili Bowl Nationals in Tulsa, yeah. they've had the rights, the broadcast rights to Chili Bowl, you know, forever. I mean, it just seems, you know, forever. But um, so, you know, we do, um, when I was, after I left motorsports, they basically said, why don't you come and work with us? You can make your own hours. You can do your own things. So this is kind of like my golden years um, gig, I, I would say, because I write when I want to write. I write what I want to write. I mean, all the years that I was out there pounding the pavement and, you know, working 24-7, um, you know, Racing Boys has kind of given me my own vehicle. And I, if I want to do a podcast, I do a podcast. If, you know, it's, <laughs> That's right. I, I, I look at it from the standpoint of I've been, I invested a lot of time and effort um, over the years to, you know, break every story I could get my hands on, only now to sit back and be able to write columns, be able to write features, be able to to do what I want on my terms. And, you know, it, it goes back to the whole thing. I'm just blessed. I mean, I feel so lucky that um, I'm at a point in my career where I don't have to kill myself. And my husband writes for the NASCAR wire service, um, which is something that started back when we were still at sporting news and sporting news, NASCAR didn't feel like they were being well served by the Associated Press and so they came up with their own wire service and they went to Sporting News because we were a partner of theirs at the time to uh, put together the wire service and I asked my husband I said hey come out of journalism retirement and and do this with us and so he's been doing it ever since and um you know, which is great because now, you know, we work on our own terms. We travel together. Our kids are grown. Um, it's just turned into a win-win. And I don't know how much longer I want to do this, but, um, and I, I got to tell you, not being on the road every week, it doesn't suck. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I, I just, you know, to have this opportunity to kind of, you know, travel together and see the country together and hang out with my best friend. I mean, I, you know, what more could I ask for? Yeah. Oh, and there's also racing, you know? <laughs> so. exactly. That's the byproduct that, that you get to go to the races and enjoy something well, that you love. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you were mentioning about coronavirus, um, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, another bonus that has come out of all this is, you know, you mentioned iRacing, NASCAR and all racing in general has now taken center stage. You think about the world of outlaws. I mean, it's one of the best shows going. They call it the greatest show on dirt because it is. And so right. now 
they're finally getting an opportunity to be on, on Big Fox. I mean, who would have thought six months ago we would be talking about the world of outlaws on Fox? Who would have thought that you'd be, you know, watching um, IndyCar, you know, virtual IndyCar races on NBC? I mean, it's um, it, right now we're the only show in town and uh -huh. it's, you know, it is just a spectacular opportunity. And um, every sports, you know, tour right now, every motorsports tour right now needs to be um, making the most out of this time and present itself in the best damn light it can so that when life does get back to normal, people have had the opportunity to see this and say, damn, that's, you know, that's exciting. I want to see more of that. And, you know, hopefully we'll all uh, benefit from it down the road. Oh, absolutely. Because I've, I've had some conversations with some people that, you know, first of all, I'm a woman and I love racing. So, you know, they think that's kind of weird. Why it's, why isn't it your husband that loves all the sports? No, it's me that always has the sports on television, you know? And so I've had some friends reach out and say, Hey, what do you think about the iRacing thing? And, and I've had to say, you know, I love it because it gives me my, my fill for the week, if you will, of missing being at the racetrack or watching it on television. And we're the only sport that's able to do it. The rest of the NBA, the Madden football, all that, it's a good video game, but it's not, um, it's not true to life. It doesn't translate well. No. Right. And, and the iRacing really looks so real and i i listened to dale jr's podcasts he he's one of my favorites i have to say and you know he he's been i racing for quite a number of years but last night i listened to the interview he had with kyle bush and and it was so interesting to listen to them talk about you know i racing and how how you learn about it and everything and i just i just think Yes, we're at the forefront of all the sports because nobody else is doing anything. And racing has a has a, you know, an image around it and people who don't really know think that we're a bunch of rednecks and beer drinking, cussing, you know, whatever. And they can find out that no, we're not that and when they see the races on TV, the i racing and how exciting it is, and to think that in real life, it's even more exciting because you can't go to the pits and get a reset and get a brand new car, you know? And there's so many things that are cool about the iRacing that I hope we get on the other side of all this, we get some new fans to come out and, and give it a try in person. You know, that's one of my goals for the summer was I, I have a bunch of events scheduled at NASCAR races geared towards women. And so my first one is canceled at Richmond. My second one is canceled at Martinsville and are rescheduled, I hope. And so we go down the line because one of the things that, that I want is I want to try to get people to the racetrack that have never been there, especially women, to see that racing is a sport for women to be included. Um, so hopefully on the other side of all this, we'll get to have those events and, and, you know, have, have that be able to be brought to the women who maybe haven't had a chance to see a race in person. So I'm, I'm excited about that happening at some point, <laughs> but for now, 
we at least have something that we can look forward to. And the iRacing, uh, I talked to the guy, a guy yesterday from there. They just partnered with us, um, honestly, too. And, uh, you know, they're very busy, obviously, because it's, it's another company I wish I had stock in. But so thankful that we have that to watch. Oh, absolutely. And I've got to say, the, uh, when I first watched the World of Outlaws on uh, Dirt Vision, they had a, a race at Volusia. It was so real. It was spooky. And then we watched the IndyCar race um, from Watkins Glen. And there were parts of the Watkins Glen circuit that, you know, we didn't even know existed and, and we've been around the track in a pace car but uh, it, it is so real and so true to life that it was just it it was really you know spectacular um just loved it and i i think that nascar made a huge jump from where they televised the first homestead race to the last race that they ran at texas and I expect Bristol to be even better, and and I will tune in and watch World of Outlaws tonight. I will, um, you know, tune in and and watch IndyCar and and the NASCAR race this weekend. And um, I'm just really, um, as I explained to somebody today, those two hours that we spend watching NASCAR on Sunday, it's almost like getting the gang back together and. It's almost a, it become a communal type feel to it because you're so used to being around that crazy circus that's become your family after you know 25 years that um, it, it, it's almost like normal that you should be with these people on a Sunday, which is you know strange having grown up and gone to my grandmother's house every Sunday, um, you know, growing up as a kid, but now it's like, you're always at a racetrack on a Sunday and yeah. um, it's going to be really hard once everything gets back up and rolling to, you know, um, give up this, you know, very interesting life that <laughs> we're uh -huh. living right now because, um, you know, when you're on autopilot all the time, you don't feel it. And I think it's going to, it's going to be tremendously different different once we we you know get back to whatever the new normal is well and obviously for this year at least when you know once we are able to go back to race it's going to be wild and crazy because i i truly think they're going to try to make up a lot of the races if they're able and so instead of it being uh, one, you know, a truck and a cup race, it might be a double header weekend. And so now we're going to be there longer and, and that, but, um, yeah, the, I don't know what the new normal is going to look like, but I, I know that I'm going to find, I'm going to find my way in whatever that <laughs> is. And I'm going to still love racing and still be a part of it. And so I'll just figure that out when the time comes. I don't worry about it because I can't do anything about it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I just know that I'm going to try to stay in touch with people. I'm going to reach out to people like you that, um, you know, you're on a busy schedule. It would have been hard to get a podcast scheduled with you prior, but now that we're confined to the house, we all have a little more time. And that's the, that's the positive that I'm taking away from this. So. Absolutely. So Lee, is there anything that I haven't asked you about or we haven't talked about that you'd like to share before we say goodbye? No, I think we've covered a wide 
range of, of topics, but you know, I, I commend you for trying to get women to the racetrack because um, I think they'll have a brand new appreciation of a brand new appreciation for racing because nothing compares to the actual product itself on the racetrack to um, feel the cars. I mean, it, there's no feeling like sitting in the press box at Talladega when those 40 cars come barreling down the front stretch and the whole press box shakes. Um, you know, when you hear the noise, when, you know, you smell the cars, when you hear the cars, when you see the cars, when you feel the cars, nothing, um, you know, nothing that they can do, even with iRacing and as, as amazing as, as that product is, but nothing compares to actually being at the racetrack. And I think once you get your, you know, ladies to the racetrack, they'll get hooked. You know, absolutely. There was a, there was a group, uh, my friend Lori lives in Arizona and she brought a group from her neighborhood, about 50 some people to the races. They had like an excursion. Wow. 25 of them bought infield passes to come into the infield. And I had set up a time for her to take them to talk to my friend Liz, who's a tire specialist for Daniel Suarez. She used to be with Chris Busher. So she talked to them a little bit, you know, at their pit box about what she does and, and different things about the racing. And then Lori's husband, Charlie, is a fireman at Phoenix for their racetrack. So then uh, we went there and I kind of interviewed him and, and he talked to the people. And those people that went to the infield, that saw the behind the scenes, that heard about what it takes to put a car on the track, Every one of those people told her they're coming back in November because it just changes your perspective. If I, I always encourage people to go to the races and, and sit in the grandstand and, and that's great. But I also encourage them to go to the pits at least once, go to the infield, get a taste of what it looks like at the garages, whatever experience you're able to do because um, I think a lot of people that go to the racetrack sit down in their seat, they watch the race, and they don't think a whole lot about what it takes, both people-wise, um, talent, the cost of putting those cars on the track. And when you go to the infield or you, you're in the infield like you and I usually are, then we kind of take that for granted. We know about that. And that's the thing, I think, if I can get women to the track, and get them to the infield where they can see what it's really all about, they'll come back. I, I have no doubt. Well, the way I keep in touch with, you know, uh, not taking that for granted is um, I do, uh, there's this a woman who, she's got a, a long relationship on the IndyCar side and um, I've been doing pit tours for her, her for several years and I do them at Indy and I do them at Auto Club Speedway and the same people come back every year. Um, you know, we get new ones, but the same people come back because they love the tours. Right. Um, because, you know, as a kid with my dad being a, a, a DJ, a rock and roll DJ, um, the feeling of going backstage at a rock concert is something that is behind the scenes that the normal person doesn't get to do. So my philosophy of taking people on pit tours is to take them backstage and to show them through my eyes what 
the normal fan does not get to see leading up to the show. And so um, I, I love doing that when I get the opportunity to do. And, and the, the fans that I work with for Auto Club Speedway, it's a really high clientele. It's, you know, the top, top fans. Um, and, they, you know, they pay a premium to do this out of the Richter Club. And, um, but they are very savvy when it comes to the sport. And, you know, they're, so not only are they, you know, fans that, you know, diehard fans, um, they, they know everything. And so, you know, the fact that I can take them, you know, into a transporter or into somebody's garage stall and, and give them that kind of behind the scenes look is, is very invaluable, not just to them, but it is to me because it helps keep me grounded into what perhaps the fans want to know and read, um, you know, in the coming, coming days, weeks, months. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to do a little more of that when we do our events at the track, we're going to try to fit in a little bit more of the uh, background tour. So that's, that's part of what our plans are. So I'm, I'm excited about that when I get to do it, when we can get started. So um, it'll be soon. I'm, we're all praying for that. And so we just, I know you agree with me when we say we pray for everyone out there that's listening to stay home, stay safe, keep your family safe, do what you're supposed to be doing. And let's get through this sooner than later because we all want to get back to what what normal whatever normal is for you absolutely yeah so lee thank you so much i i can't tell you how much i appreciate your time today i've really enjoyed speaking with you we haven't met in person yet but we will because we'll be at the track at some point this year and we'll make a point of getting together and, and meeting face to face. But until that time, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Take care of yourself and, um, and your family and I'll see you at the track. Super. Thanks for your time, Melinda. Thank you. Thank you for listening to racing girls rock podcast. Follow us on Facebook at international women's motorsports association or on Instagram and Twitter at the IWMA Nation. And if you know someone that should be on our show, drop us an email at IWMA Nation at gmail.com.